I mean, you know that one, rolling, rolling, rolling. It's probably the only one I know, but <laughs> I don't think when biscuits on my uh, radar. It's not in your playlist. I'm gonna go to the gym. No, it's not in your pack out playlist. People yeah, have, do use people a playlist have... when you pack out stuff. No. You don't either. You're too old no. too. You're yeah. like me. I bet you do. No, no. I did and uh, on one of my hunts this year though, yeah. in uh, G Bear Country, and I packing out my mountain lion. You were nervous. I was just kind of bored a little bit, and I was like, this is going to suck. I need some, like, motivation through the snow to, like, get out. Mm-hmm. So I had it in my pocket, and I cranked it as loud as I can. I was like, well, I'm not hunting anymore. I'm switching to another state. So All these younger guys got playlists. Like, Neville, he's got... He has a playlist? I don't know if it's an actual playlist. I think it probably... I don't know if it's, like, a pack-out playlist, but it's a... He just cranks up the jams while you're hiking. Keeps it. Yeah, I don't know. It's not for me. Not for you. Not for you me. like the silence, the suffer in silence. Yeah, suffer in silence. Is That's a good it. One. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of nice though, I guess. So you ready to get started? I'm always ready. What do you got for us today? Though? We're gonna talk with the man, the myth, the legend, Brandon Evans, on what we got going on. What's what's Insider been doing lately? What we got coming up? Dropping a nugget. Something we're just releasing coming up here. Like he's gonna spill all the beans. We need Brandon's full title and duties. We've had you on the podcast before, but I don't know if we actually got to pick your brain a little bit about what it is you do and how long you've been here. Oh, I do a lot. <laughs> I'm I'm the random guy. Always more. Um title is head of research and customer service. Okay. Uh, recently acquired the so the GIS team. Yep. Falls under underneath me the content side we have two sides there's gis content side gis engineering side so all the dev side i don't i work with but don't oversee what's the difference between gis content and gis so proper (laughs) content are all is all the content so all the layers all the information that is on the mapping platform gotcha and then the engineering is who develops the the platform or works on the actual technology of it so i hear the word content i think content in different contexts i guess I know, because I think we're so dialed in the written content world. Yeah, Writ, written or video, but you're talking the actual layers, things that go into that. Yeah, what you what you view on maps is all part of that. I guess you could call it data, GIS data team as well. Yeah, how'd you get involved in that? Are you a data data nerd? <laughs> I'm becoming one. Yes, no. Um, got involved just more of. Uh, I guess you could call it a product owner. Yeah. So business representative for for the business in that side. Um, got involved with the team, worked well with them, uh, and then yeah. Seems like you have a knack for it. Yeah. Like no, it. I yeah, I I did have a GIS or two classes in college. Sure. Getting a you know getting the degree that I got, so it's not unfamiliar to me. But it's been years since I've got on arc pro and actually did some type of gis analyst work but an arc pro there's a word i haven't heard in a long time right no. is it even remotely the same like no, you you work no. with our, you work with the, the developers it, right and yeah it is like it's yes and no like it's not what we yeah it's not like when you were working with it with the division it's not that anymore no, yeah i mean i can't imagine that's been probably what 10 12 15 mm-hmm. years ago, and you think just what's happened with everything else in technology at this point, I, mean, I would assume that GIS has evolved at the same or similar rate, it's, or more so. Yeah, it's still kind of that cumbersome process. If you remember how just convoluted Arc Pro was, it's mm-hmm. still that. You have to know your way around it a lot better than I do. So we have a super talented GIS team, and 
they they do great work. Yeah, so. I remember our I remember that being kind of like kind of like me in spreadsheets. You know, like I would have it in my mind what I wanted to do, and I would sit there and screw around with it and try different things and read about it and watch tutorials. And then somebody that actually knew what they were doing would just pull it up and do it in five seconds. But I mean, all the tools existed, but I had no clue how to use them. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things I wish I knew more about back in the day when I had to touch it as well. Cause like I always thought of these crazy ideas I could do with it for like hunting stuff, but I was like, I don't know how to do any of it. I can ingest all the data. I can look at it all, but I don't know how to manipulate it very well. Yeah. I mean, I do and I don't, I mean, in essence, all that stuff that's being done on the back end is now at my fingertips yeah. on, you know, go hunt maps. And it's, I mean, it, it'll do everything that I was trying to do back in the day on mm-hmm. my own. Yeah. That's the, the neat part about it is, we don't have the skill to process that. We know what we want. And that's kind of the the beauty of what I get to see every single day is like, you know what you want as a hunter. You know what would be valuable for you as a hunter. You try and explain that. They understand it to a degree. They build it. You make a few tweaks. And then it's a, a completely usable product at the end of the process. Mm-hmm. So it's neat to see the two sides work together to to produce a product that's useful for a hunter. But you have to have both. Like you have to look at it through the lens of a you know hunter and end use scenario, right? Yeah. Like, and I can imagine there's probably some frustration or, or maybe not frustration, but just challenges in trying to work that through with a developer. Yeah. <laughs> like and this that, is why I need this, and they're like, why? <laughs> that and but it's been so part of that question. How long I've been here? Been here since yeah. the beginning, and we saw that in the very beginning. Like, we're what? It's the Go Hunts ten. 10th birthday coming up yep. and so in the beginning it was exactly that we had a team of hunters and then we had a team of developers and you get them both in the same room and the finished product is is pretty incredible but mm-hmm. the it's interesting coming to a conclusion I'll, we'll just put it that way <laughs> <laughs> it's a process oh yeah yeah i'm sure you've been here since the beginning pretty much like uh so yeah we were coming up on our 10th birthday i think lorenzo said I think we're going to try to do another podcast where we just talk about, you know, 10 years ago. It's hard to believe for me. It's already been 10 years. I mean, I think I've been here. It'll be coming up on, I want to say eight. It might, might be seven or eight, but I, I can't remember for sure. But I mean, just in that time, I think about it. But yeah, I mean, 10 years. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it really is. What employee were you? Three, four? I was the one right after Brady. Four, well, four, maybe? so did you write profiles at all in the beginning? I was going to start writing profiles, but then they just brought me down right away. See, I actually started. So I did some profiles before I came full time. Yeah, I did some in, oh, it was like the end of 20, 2013, the very beginning of 2014. Mm-hmm. I started writing profiles and shooting them over. And then I didn't get hired until... Um, October of yeah, 2014. Yeah. So. I remember working on your like announcement article back in the day. We did like a big Q and A with Brandon Evans. Yeah. Like, oh um, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did. For, we used to do Q and A's for is like. Is that a new, still live on the site? Yeah, it's still live on the site. Is somewhere we should you do Q and A's for new hires. Still, that'd be hilarious. Yeah, we, pu- we published a Q and A. We should it was go like back. It was like awkward. Like, hey, this is from the editor. We're gonna ask you a bunch of questions. And I was yeah. like, we should go back and find them. That'd be fun. Oh, I guarantee we can pull them up. They're that'd definitely be, on the website. That'd be fantastic. I'd probably look like a baby then. I still remember that one big old uh, archery, was it archery velvet buck you shot back in the day or something like that in the avalanche or was that a muzzleloader? So I had the muzzleloader one I killed in the avalanche. I had, so I have a, a four by six that I killed on in Utah and it had all the velvet hanging off of it. Yeah, and I just remember those old school photos of you yeah, back so in I'm the day. Yeah, I'm like King's camo, like yeah. the original desert shadow. Mm-hmm. We were hunting 
Southern Utah. And Mountain Mimicry. Or no, is that the other that one? That was the Sitka one. The Sitka Mountain one. Mimicry. What's the other one? that? Uh, what's their other pattern? Oh, Mountain. They have Mountain, like the shadows. The Mountain, Mountain Shadow, Shadow, Desert Shadow. Desert Shadow, yeah, Snow Shadow. Right. Like, I'll, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. that's right. I remember that. You did. You had a bunch of like uh, velvet dripping bucks early. Yeah, I haven't so. had. I actually. So, well, the one buck that I killed on film is the only deer that I've killed in velvet that actually hung on to the velvet. Everything else is slid down rock shoots. And by the time you get the deer, it's stripped. And you're just hoping it had time. So Those muzzleloader bucks? The I, Yeah, I've got two muzzleloader bucks, three muzzleloader bucks, and a couple archery ones that all did the same thing. Don't um, I recall you haven't. You went to. Used to be like a recurve. On one of those art high high country hunts, right? Yeah, I, you I had a bunch of photos mm-hmm. like that. I don't know the recurve for a while. A long that's, time. I remember. That's pretty intense. I'm not. I'm too fat and out of shape to do that now. So <laughs> you, you ever pull it back. out and shoot some with it? Uh, no, I shoot all the time with it, especially really? with like kids. Yeah, I love shooting a recurve. It's it's to me, it's more therapeutic than anything because you don't you don't have the you're not as self critical. So like if you're not in the ten ring or the X, like you oh, don't care because you're hoping to hit a paper plate that at 30 amazing. yards mm-hmm. so <laughs> like it's it's pretty therapeutic and like with my boys with my kids like i'll i'll pull the recurve out and we'll shoot in the backyard and so when way. you're shooting in the backyard you're not stressing out huh you're just oh, relaxed yeah. yeah i hate i i shoot and get frustrated most nights it's a 50 50 i either go home like feeling great or i go home being like man i suck and I like, and it builds, it's the same muscle. It's just, you, I think you build it better. Like if I can shoot my recurve all year, I'm yeah. way further ahead on the compound side. Hmm. So. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, it's a trick you got to pick up drill. Yeah. It might be. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I need to get a recurve. It'd probably help me overall. I'm sure it would have to help your back muscles. Just yeah. like getting used to, to holding, pulling, pulling into the wall and then, yeah. you know. Same yeah. mechanisms. You're just using yeah. finger tabs instead of like you pull through and, like when you can't hold it is when it breaks and that's yep. a good shot. So do you know uh, what kind of bow is it? Is it the same bow you've had always? I've got a lot of recurves. Oh, actually. you do? <laughs> yeah, I do. You're building up My a wife collection. Hates them. I've, so I've collect, like I have some that I don't shoot. Like I've got a fifties bear. I've got an old Ben, Ben Pearson longbow that my wife actually got me for Christmas that I don't dare shoot. Cause it's, it's old. Hmm. Um, but no, I shoot, I have everything from a Black Widow to like a, a Hoyt Satori, mm-hmm. like the the aluminum riser that you can do different things with. But it's it's the the Widow that I probably like Shoot shooting most. the most. Mm-hmm. Did you quit collecting like cars and car parts and? No, I still do that too. Pro- like, <laughs> no, that's the yeah. No, do you still have a project vehicle? I don't. I just got rid of one, and because we outgrew it, I had a single cab Chevy that was kind of rock crawler. And got rid of it because my I've three kids now, three boys, and so I was like, I want to get like an old blazer yep. that I can stuff kids in the back seat and just go have a good time. So yeah, three boys is probably eating up a lot more of your time than it oh, used it's to. Wild, yeah. How old's your youngest now? My youngest is eight months. So okay. I've got an eight month old, a three year old, and a six year old. Gotcha. So man, you're right in the thick of it then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your kids uh, like hunt? They like getting out with your older kids? Obsessed with it, yeah. Really? In fact, this last weekend, I had to promise them we'd go scouting. So, yeah, you're, I, had to, I had to carry the three. I took my six-year-old and my three-year-old, and that was steeper. Where we ended up going was steeper than I remembered it being. Mm-hmm. And so I had my three-year-old on my shoulders, and my six-year-old's gotten real good. He just I made him pack all the snacks and a bottle of water. So yeah. Up he goes, and it was fun. That's cool. You grew up in Southern Utah. I know that, but mm-hmm. I mean, tell people where you grew up and like, well, 
it, I mean, to me, I know, I know your background, but like give people an idea of like your background and why it is you think you landed at Gohan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crazy story about how I landed here, but grew up in Fillmore, small town, central Utah. Um, after that, went to SUU. Were you there when, when fire blew through? You probably weren't, were you? Which one? All that when the the big giant one that blew out through all those flats through Milford Flat. Yeah, Milford Flat. I was flat. actually living in Cedar. Okay. When that happened, but my folks still live up there. Um, my sister lives up there, so we, yeah, no, that was a that was a big big fire that yeah. blew through there. And it turned into a dust bowl there for a year that, after. That's they've had crashes on I-15 because of it. Yeah. So, yeah. But grew up there. It was bad. Went to Southern Utah. Ended up. Interesting, like I started the business program at SUU mm -hmm. and got in caught, like three years through business and took a natural resource class from, I don't know if you remember Dr. Bounds, yeah. took a class from him. Him and I connected really well and he told me, you're just going to switch majors. And I, I fought it and then ended up switching majors, got a wildlife biology degree. Yep. Um, and at the time all of that was happening, I worked for Lorenzo's uncle, um, managing one of his tire shops and that's when Go Hunt got thought up. He actually knew. So Big Heath is Lorenzo's uncle. He knew I was going to get a job at Go Hunt before they even offered it to me. They cleared it with him before oh, that's funny. they even offered it. They and went so, to him and said, "How can you afford to lose this guy?" Yeah. Gotcha. When when can this happen? And he's like, "This is the date." So, <laughs> and then from there, yeah, I was while I was working there. That's how I knew that Go Hunt was going to get started was with Little Heath and mm -hmm. talking with Lorenzo and Porter and. Um, they actually went to the Hunt Expo that year before that because mm. Big Heath had a booth um, at the Expo with their. It was like the big three point that Little Heath yep. had and had different things. Two hundred inch three point. That three point is yeah. gnarly. If you haven't seen it, <laughs> yes, giant. And so that like I actually met Porter there, whether he remembers it or not. Said hi to him, talked to to Big Heath, Little Heath there, and then like that. That following winter is when I started writing profiles for him. When so, they approached you with the idea, did it make sense to you? Hundred percent. Really? Yeah. Like the the big picture vision, because growing up, we always like your background. Growing up, how we aggregated all that data was so cumbersome. Mm -hmm. Like I remember looking when I first started hunting Colorado, the old draw reports. You had to download two different reports and kind of piecemeal them together to even remotely see what your odds were, and it was so cumbersome that I was like. No, getting that information in one area is is going to be huge. And I remember talking to a few people in the industry that said the same thing. Like, that'll be interesting to watch how it grows. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's for me. It kind of made sense. And I mean, I'm further along down the road. I mean, it was already a developed product by the time I got involved. But I remember thinking, yeah, this this makes sense. Like this this adds up. You know, given given how complex it is to and to showcase all the opportunity. Not yeah, to, not just trophy stuff. Let's showcase it all. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think back on that. I mean, I think how, I mean, even, you know, what, maybe 15 years ago, 20 years ago, like just how naive I was to even the, the possibilities that were out there. Oh, it, just, just no clue. You know, there was really no way. I mean, there's a few magazines, but well, maybe, maybe one magazine, maybe two, but like even that trying to decipher through it and put it all together was pretty damn tough. Yeah. Pick yeah. up a regulation book. Oof. It's so brutal trying to figure those opportunities out yeah. by just looking at, especially non-resident trying to figure it out. Like, so the Go Hunt just started out, I'm, and I, I think I remember, I wrote unit profiles, and that's how you started, mm -hmm. just writing unit profiles. Was that kind of the gist of, like, this is how this is going to go is unit profiles? Because I remember thinking, like, okay, this is it, you know, but, like, since then, 
oh, it's morphed into a whole new beast. A whole different thing. It yeah. almost seems like, I mean, unit profiles, I still think unit profiles extremely valuable, especially when you get down to like the seasons and you can start to look at, you know, harvest trends for five years and you can look at trends of data. You know, and you go through the, the profiles, there's information that are, I think is definitely useful, but it's almost like, you know, those are, those aren't the primary tool I'm using anymore. I mean, there's, there's more there. It, I still use it. But yeah. It's, it's, so it's, it's interesting. Like right now we're actually, it's, it's interesting because it comes full circle right now. I've got, you know, two of my guys on the team, Dave and Nate are literally rewriting narrative in unit profiles. Gotcha. Like, and some of them were some of the ones that I originally wrote and to be able to see, <laughs> To be able to see how units change over time mm. has been interesting, but also like how how our our style of offering that type of information has changed a little. You know, in the in the beginning, I remember when we first launched, we were actually quite detailed, um, mm -hmm. and then and then kind of realized that we might have been a little too detailed, and we've kind of generalized some of the some of the narrative and information that's mm -hmm. within a unit profile. So it's still very valuable in getting someone started off. But it, what that did is allow us to spread some of the pressure, if you will, between units. Um, I remember I remember we had an employee that used our Idaho unit profiles to literally execute an entire hunt. Just profiles? Yeah. And found, just, found a unit profile that he liked, matched yep. what he was trying to do, and went and and had an incredible adventure on it. And so, and it was it was like it it lined him out. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and we hear that all the time still. Like, hey, you know, I that those are the funnest emails that we get. Is like, hey, use your product to find this, and you get a picture attached to it. And it's yeah. a you know yeah. raghorn bull from Colorado that they use unit profiles to narrow down where they're going to use an OTC hunt. So. Yeah. How do you manage, like in your opinion, how do you manage the, uh, you know where I'm going with this already, I know, but like how do you manage the kind of the flow of information? Like when when is like giving too much and when is like not giving enough? Like how do you feel about that? Because I know it's a comment we get, you know, from time to time, like, hey, man, you gave away my favorite spot. You know, I mean, my family been hunting that forever or man, I, I, uh, I'd hope that there would be, you know, more, more specifics for like people that want to, you know, they want to know right where to go. Like, what's your thought on that? We tend to err on, on, I don't know, we have a pretty happy median, but we tend to err on on a little bit more specific than just too generalized. Some some unit profiles are going to be general, like antelope profiles in antelope the state of Wyoming. Yeah. There's not a whole lot antelope of difference. Antelope need water. Yeah, antelope, the, antelope live on flats. Not a whole <laughs> lot of difference from <laughs> yeah. unit 89 to 90 to 91. Like, yeah. they're just, it is what it is. But some of the others... Yeah, you especially know, especially in Wyoming. Yeah, antelope exists in Wyoming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the profile. Go shoot one if you can get attacked. <laughs> yeah, um, but no. In reality, the the product itself kind of helps dissipate the pressure, if you will, because the more data points you can give someone to use in filtering and mm -hmm. to and to filter, the more options that it naturally. It's the same. It's the it's the lottery. Like there's a reason they they draw seven balls with you know numbers from one to 50 because that combination mm -hmm. that people can get is just yeah you know lot. giant and so the product itself kind of dissipates you know the the hunting pressure or people um you know on the flip side i'm sure you know people would love to get every single detail about what they've got to do on a particular hunt the thing is that's different for every person. Yeah. Like the way that I would hunt a unit is very different from the way that you would hunt a unit. And so the way that I do may not be the best way. 
So if I were the one writing that profile, I may be misleading some people. And so it's more, those profiles are more meant to get someone started in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Like what to expect from a unit, where to get started, general ideas, get familiar with it. It's, unit profiles were never meant to handhold someone completely through the hunt, you know, so. I think it's a good point. It's, it's, I mean, it's one that I think probably you and I've talked about before, but it's, you know, it's good to just revisit it is that, you know, what I, what I want in a hunt or, you know, my, my methodology or the areas I like to hunt aren't, they're not going to translate over to everybody, you know? And I, as you said that, I was thinking of examples, like I've given guys glassing points and said, go to this glassing point. And they've reported back and been like, man, I didn't see shit, you know? And I'm like, okay, I get that. Where were you looking? You know? And they were looking this way or that way. And I'm like, well, man, if you'd have turned 180 degrees and looked into the next drainage over, you know, and maybe walked 50 yards over, you know, you might've seen what I was talking about, but like, I mean, yeah. I mean, people hunt different differently, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. they, I, I like low country if I can hunt it, you know, if I can find a bucket or, or a bull in low country, I like my chances a whole lot better than like in high country. And a lot of people just absolutely love high country and there's deer in both, you know, it's like in a unit profile, do you say, you know, hunt low for the biggest bucks, you know, or hunt high. Cause I mean, it really just depends. There's deer in all of it. It just depends on how people want to hunt. But mm-hmm. I was, I was curious cause I know that over the years, you know, I've heard, I've heard both sides of the coin. So I was wondering how, like, is your opinion as a manager, how you manage that? You know, we, like I say, we, we err on the side. We, I think in some units we give a lot of detail we've heard from, you know, it's interesting. We'll work on launching a new state and a lot of research goes into putting a new state on the platform. Mm-hmm. And every single time you'll get an email from a member that's from that new state. And they're like, why did you give away? Why did you give away X, Y, and Z? And we're like, man, that's some pretty general, like we're, we named like three County roads and it was like, Oh, you gave away the honey hole of the entire state. And yeah. it's, yeah, it just happened to land on their honey hole. Maybe. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I, yeah, it's interesting. It's like an intern, like as a manager, I'm like, Oh man, the research team rocked it. When you get an email like yeah, that, you're true. like, uh, man, we, yeah, we absolutely hit that nail on the head. And on the flip side, it's like, okay, well, let's, you know, he has a valid point. How, how can we general, generalize that a little bit more and still give good information? So it's a balancing act. What, what is the process like launching a new state? Because what we launched this last year? We launched both Dakotas. Dakotas. Yeah. yeah, and we've actually been working on them for quite some time. Um, there's, like, you've got all the components. So you've got to, one, you've got to learn the state, how it works, how the draw operates. You know, we're, I don't know how many phone calls we made to those states' agencies. And... You know, some some people you get on the phone are incredible and will walk you through step by step. Both of those states actually were really good to work with, like some of the better that we've <laughs> had. Walk through how the process works, how, you know, details that you don't get from a set of regulations or like a state statute. Mm-hmm. And so it starts with that, starts with understanding the state. You break it down by unit, species, you know, all of that. And then you're tying... I've got like one side of the team just is strictly data. So Michaela and Lindsay go aggregate all the data. So your harvest success, your tag allocation, all the numbers that we put into it. And then we've got writers that are familiar with those with those states that actually write the narrative. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't us that wrote the narrative in those. We contract that out like what we did for mm-hmm. for our home states, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, aggregate the data and then put it all together. Um, you're getting draw data. For draw odds, those get processed by the, you know, the data scientist. And that's, that's a whole, every state is so unique in how draws work, particularly when you start branching into some of the new states, like not the core, what we, what you would consider a core Western state. Yeah. Um, 
you know, the, the Dakotas were different from everybody. And so you're explaining that process to the data scientist because he's not coming from that background. Um, and then validation, you know, we do a ton of validation on the draw odds side of things. But so it's I, like years. years it, of work. it took us a year and a half, almost two years to do the Dakotas. Almost two years, yeah. if yeah. I remember, because I remember you guys working on it, you know, when I kind of switched over to content, I, I think it was two, it's probably been two years. Yeah. Had we done it, you, they always say hindsight's twenty twenty. I'd have broke those states apart and done one, d- focused on one, got it out. Fo- yeah. We kind of thought those would be a package deal, and that's how we launched them. And probably should have broken them and offered them individually. But as you did those, does it make you interested in hunting those two states? Like any, did, anytime it, you guys knew, anytime you do a new state, what's your always like? You are always you're you, like you want to go. Yeah, you're like, hey, I can get that tag. Like that's the first yeah. thing is it's like I can get that tag, and then you're like, well, it overlaps with this, this, and I have to drive through these three states to get yeah. to that one. And I'm like, well, I know I'm already got a tag in this one. So why am I going to drive another thousand miles? To, yeah. And so I, anytime I work on a state, I get that way though. Like we were doing stuff. I never thought I would be interested in like Oregon, Washington. You start working in those states and you're like, I think I'm going to pick up that tag. Yeah. I need to work more in those states. I think this is what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about that in another podcast. Yeah, but. I'm like, I can't drive to Washington or Oregon. It's too far. Maybe Oregon. Oregon's interesting. And they're like, yeah, no, well, and that's like Nate from our team lived in Washington for for quite a while, mm. and there's opportunity up there. Yeah, so I know that um, I'm trying to think. It's been probably two or three summers ago. We drove my uh, my in laws, their family was up. You know, they live there on the Oregon coast, and we drove up. And I remember driving through like Southwest Oregon through a bunch of country. That I was just like, man, this is just straight mule deer country. Like, and I know some of those are like more pristine. You know, they're harder t- tags to draw. But I remember driving through and just being like, man, this is incredible. This looks awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks looks like home. <laughs> you know. You know, the great thing about having Brando on the podcast and that you work you work for us is I feel like I can ask you harder questions. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So, <laughs> I was going to ask you once. Let me ask you. Um, I get this a lot, and, mo- and mostly it's just, you know, people that feel comfortable enough with me to, to ask me the question. But uh, just like the feedback, like, oh, all this data is available. Like, you can get it on your own. Like, you can... You don't need you don't need a go hunt membership. You can you know you can learn to navigate state reports. You know you can find this information on your own. Like what do you uh, and and just I mean I know you work here. I know that like you're the manager over this department. I know that like you and I both. I mean we both work here and we're passionate about the company. But I was curious as to like honestly like what are your thoughts on that in regard to the product we produce. <laughs> See, and I'm flat honest with that. There are some states that you can get a report for. There are some states that are easier, are are more user friendly, if you will. And some of the states are becoming that way. There are some some states that I like. I would argue till I'm blue in the face. New Mexico is a great one. Like being able to calculate a draw odd for the state of New Mexico with the way that the draw process works, you can't get that from the report that the state publishes. Just you don't. You just don't have enough enough data points and and information to make that calculation Mm -hmm. and so could you go through the public records request process and and try and get that data yes do you have the skills there's very few people you know unless you're you know a doctor with of statistics you're probably not going to be able to execute on the equations and processes needed and are you going to spend the money to to you know spin up some aws servers to be able to process it to like (laughs) Yeah. If, if you have that skill set, absolutely, you could do that from the state. 
that's one of my favorite conversations to have with uh, you know management that works here at Go Hunt is uh, like oh you know we we have this need for another you know another person you know for research you know or or you know maybe consultation if we ever went down that rabbit hole and I mean you and I've had this conversation but I'm always like well who is it go find them <laughs> like yeah, how many are there because the they're just rare. there aren't yeah no it's and that's. <sighs> I'm kind of a geek that way, to be honest. Like I remember, I remember when I started to go hunt. There were states that I just wasn't interested in as a as a public mm-hmm. land hunter. Like I, I kind of stuck to the core ones around my home state. So like, you know, I wasn't super familiar with Montana. I wasn't familiar at all with the Washington, Oregon's, you mm-hmm. know, Californias, um, and so I didn't know them. And I remember just spending evenings, like nights and evenings, just pouring through information on how those states operated. Like literally the nooks and crannies, you get into a state like like Oregon that, you know, the draw process in Oregon is you would think is fairly straightforward until you start digesting it and realize that it's, you know, an up two percentage, half of that percentage can be taken from the outfitter draw that's even it yeah. happens even before the public like Yeah, so, so you're the, left with two and a half percent. Yeah. And, and it's and it's a preference point state. Yeah. So being able to calculate all of that and understand it, most people don't go into that detail to even, you know, they're just mad that they can't draw a tag in, sure. you know, a certain state. And so, you know, I, like, I, I enjoy having that knowledge and being able to geek out and talk to, you know, talk to those different points. Mm-hmm. Um, they pay me to do it here. So I, mm-hmm. I do do it, but sure. uh, I, I do find it pretty interesting. I, we dig through, you know, like we get part of the, what we've just got done doing is like, we've been updating male to female ratios. We've been updating some of the data points on insider and, and getting your hands on that data and analyzing trends and seeing, seeing what's happening, you know, in very specific areas of a state, you know, and then that state's overall trend and seeing why are they managing, you know, a resource a certain way in these three units versus managing it a, a different way in these three units and helping that plan and kind of predict, where what you're going to do in the future i think is mm-hmm. is very interesting and it's the scale i mean you're talking state to state to state to yes. state it's not like it's you're just tackling one state and one unit you know it's um it's looking at the the whole bigger picture and i it's interesting i've often wondered you know it's like you said you you know you, you i work here you work here you get paid to do it essentially but i, don't, I mean i don't know you got you have to kind of be into it too oh yeah no you've I, got I to be a junkie to, to yeah. or a, or you would bore yourself to death like it would yeah. be the most monotonous job i my wife looks at me that way and it's like what did you do today I'm like, well look at this what i just <laughs> found <laughs> look what i found in this state and look she's at like this easter egg and she loves hunting she hunts as much as i do and she's just like you're a nerd and yeah like mm-hmm. well yeah uh going back to the original question I asked yeah I just was I was curious as to I mean how much time like comparatively I mean what you, what you, and I think the point is that I'm trying to make is just like what's your time worth you know like if you're at home and you're trying to like if you're hunting one I've told people this outright you know if you're hunting one state and you're like intimately familiar with that state and you know exactly what you want to do with it you know how many points you have you know how the system works and you only ever plan to hunt that state there's probably still something an insider that could benefit you, but you know, maybe, maybe you could get by, but like, if you're looking to apply in multiple States across the West and you've got points, you're trying to build it and you're trying to put a permit in your pocket for, you know, multiple species. Like, I mean, the amount of time it saves is probably immeasurable. Yeah. And I would even, I mean, with the changes, the changes that are on the landscape now with state agencies, I would, I would actually argue against that. Like, 
if you're not intimately involved in what's happening with your state processes, like Good point. California or Colorado's instituting changes, Utah institu- institutes changes every year. And if you're not following those, like at a very high level, almost to a, you know, the mm-hmm. level that we are in this individual, I use my dad, for example, he has no, he grew up hunting Utah, has hunted Utah his whole life, you know, has two boys that are pretty strategic and applying there. If he didn't have us, he there's no way he would be able to keep up with the information and the changes that happened. And then on the flip side, the amount of, you know, there's there's a saying that like you hunt, you hunt where grandpa hunted. Mm-hmm. Like I grew up, I grew up hunting this mountain range. I'm gonna hunt it till I till I die. Why is my question? Mm-hmm. Like areas change so rapidly. Um, like for instance, we'll take. I grew up hunting in Fillmore, the Pavant Range up there. Uh, it has changed so much over the last 10 years, both up and down, you know, multiple times that it's like, man, if you could have wasted, you're only going to get so many tags. Mm-hmm. Even if you're, you know, a guy that hunts one state, you're only going to get so many seasons in the field. Why waste them in an area that isn't optimal? Like if you had your, your finger on the pulse, which that's what Insider allows you to do, it keeps you, you know, it gives you the ability to find opportunity that you may not have known about. Mm-hmm. Even in, you know, even in your home state, some of the general tag, like you look at draw odds, what they've done with tag cuts, draw opportunities. Yeah, I may have to travel halfway across the state to hunt a new area. But if that area is five times better than where grandpa took yeah, me Or hunting, you can get a tag. Yeah, or mm-hmm. you can get a tag. Mm-hmm. Like optimize that opportunity in your home state because they're like things are changing. Like you look at, yeah. look at how much Idaho has changed in the last three or four years. Like the changes that are proposed in Colorado this year, the changes in Wyoming that went into effect this year, you yeah. know, I mean, your big, like all of those are going to have an effect even to a resident, if you will. So yeah, I was just talking to Adam at lunch, Adam that works here. And we were just talking about the over the counter elk tags in Utah and you know how that, that system's gone. I mean, now they sell them on three different dates. You've got archery, you've got any bull, rifle, and muzzleloader, and then you've got spike, rifle, muzzleloader. You know, those are on a cap now, the muzzleloader and the rifle tags. There's 15,000, there's a certain percentage, I think it's 4,500 that are any season up I to I grabbed that. one of those, by yeah, the way. Yeah, you, you grabbed one. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, those kinds of things, I mean, that's all, I mean, it's, it's always developing. I mean, it's new this year, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you stay up on that other than, you know, you're like you and I, and you just live in this world constantly. Calendar reminders. Calendar like reminders, I've got. or you're an insider. Yeah. And this is, a lot of this is just going to be shameless plug, and I'm, I'm okay with being shameless about it because I genuinely think it's... It's valuable. There's valuable. It's valuable. No, 100%. I, the, <laughs> the funniest story about insider and the value there is if you remember when, when Ben, that used to work for us... Oh, yeah. Him and Brady went on a hunt together, and Stoner literally found the exact same hunt that he was looking at. He was looking at it for different reasons. Stoner just plugged all the information into Go Hunt Insider, and it kicked out the exact same hunt. Yep. They ended up with the same tag, unbeknownst to each other, and then he ended up hunting it hunting together. together. Like I was like, that solidified the power. Yeah, yep. somebody brand new, brand yeah. new can find what I. Yeah. And Stoner's his last name. He's not a stoner. No, his no. Stoner, Stoner's his yeah. last name. Yeah. We should say Ben Stoner, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. So. It's powerful. Yeah, like I've always said too. Like I lived in Montana for you know close to ten years. There, if I would have had insider back then, I would have hunted in totally different areas. I was just hunting out my back door, like you said, you hunt where Grandpa hunts. I was hunting where my friends hunted. Why? Well, it's because. That's what they, you knew. That's the information you had. The only thing we had. And we weren't very successful. 
we could have drove three hours away and been way more successful for the terrain that we like to hunt and the tactics we like to use, but we just didn't know any better. Where yeah. are we hunting, elk or deer? Elk, that's probably why. That's probably why. You don't know how to hunt elk. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. Let's be honest. You'll, you'll figure it out. Going to this year, aren't you? <laughs> I'm going to this year, yeah. You'll figure that one out. I'll figure it out. Elk are easy to hunt, right? Either bright white, they're the size of a horse. You can't miss them <laughs> with good glass. so fun. They're so and easy they, to spot. if you hunt them the right time of the year, they literally scream at you. That's Tell right. them where they're at. So they do. Elk are yeah. easy to hunt. Dumber yeah. the better. Dumber the better. <laughs> Yeah. When did filtering come in? Like, when did that whole process? Because I, I, that was a little later, actually. That was later. Like, what we originally launched with were you? Did you work some of the shows? And they? Oh yeah. I don't. I don't remember. I. I don't honestly remember when filtering came in. I remember unit profiles. And I remember it was, working it was that. The, it was the basic filtering at first. Yeah. It was more. I would. It was more of a sort than yeah, a filter. It, it like you sort, could sort like by state and species, and mm. it would give you information. The old one, like you'd get to a unit profile, you had to make like you weren't filtering by a number, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about a year, I think filtering came in about a year after, and then draw odds came in shortly after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took us a bit to get it. I remember sitting in the old war room. Um, just debating draws with Dave Novelli and just having outright oh, yeah. just knockdowns. Yeah, like st- like and and Dave was our our data scientist at the time, and like he knew way more about numbers than I will ever know. Mm-hmm. And so like he could prove it was fun because you would have a gut instinct about what you would expect to see, knowing how draw process works and the data that you were looking at, and he could prove to you why you were wrong. Like statistically, and oh, you're that's, like, that's frustrating. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna go with that guy. Huh. So, yeah, yeah, filtering. I'm trying to think, like, how how did you decide on filters when that got set up? And and I'm curious as to are there any other filters like looking forward into the future? Like in your mind, are there others that you would like to see that you think could be potentially helpful? Absolutely, yeah. They've act, they're actually on a roadmap moving forward. Okay, you'll see some of those. We're so part of what my research team is doing right now is we're aggregating new data sources. So um, to throw them out there, like population trends, mm-hmm. uh, I would like part of what I would like to get away from is some of our data is a single year type data point. And I think there's huge power in seeing a multi-year trend or seeing averages. So being able to say, okay, this unit, as opposed to seeing you know 65% harvest rate from last year, you know, and filtering off of that number, give a user the ability to say, show me a five-year average of harvest average. in that unit. That'd be sick. And so being able to to produce, you know, have our front end allow the user to toggle averages versus re- most recent year. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, those of us that, that come from the biology side, male-to-female ratio is a great indicator of herd mm-hmm. health and herd dynamic, but it pairs well with a bunch of other data points. Mm-hmm. And so bringing in, you know, male-to-female ratio in conjunction with, you know, total population is a powerful you know, collaboration. So giving the user a little bit more data mm-hmm. and a more, you know, three or four more, more data filters, if you will, then spreads, spreads the, the group of people out even more. Yeah. So the more filters we can do. So we're, we're working by population, um, uh, hunters per square mile by like unit. Um, yep, that's a big one. Or like, you know, number of animals per square, square mile is a big one in my opinion. Cause you could have like in Colorado, they do, you know, game management units that could be a cluster of five hunting units, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you look at a population for five hunting units, that may be a big number, but when you actually do the math to break it down to, you know, animals per square mile, you may have a, you know, an actual lower number than a, a single 
single unit with a decent sized number. Gotcha. So I think there's some power in, in, mm -hmm. you know, getting people that information because, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, don't come from a background that they need to, they need to draw a tag that's going to offer them the chance at the biggest buck on the mountain mm -hmm. or the biggest buck in the state. They just want to go have a good time. In my opinion, a good time is finding animals. Yeah. So put me in a unit where there's a whole bunch of animals and let me play around with them. And, you know, if I shoot a spike bowl or a cow, it doesn't matter to me. I just want to go have a good time. Yeah. I like the, uh, I like the idea of averaged, like an average harvest success over, tr you know, over trends, like over years. Uh, there's so many times when you look at an individual, you filter by a year or you go into a unit profile, for example, you just look at the latest year and you know, you compare that, you know, maybe Brady had an elk tag in the, in that unit the year before and just didn't kill one. Didn't kill mm -hmm. him to my good elk so, cause not, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it can, and it's like you're saying earlier that, you know, different units have rises and falls in terms of, you know, habitat conditions and populations and, and even just the people, especially when you get into hunts that, you know, the, the number of tags are relatively limited. I mean, it just, it might've, it might've been who had that tag that year. Yeah. What are they holding out for? Yeah. What are they holding out for? Or, you know, what are their abilities and, and maybe didn't find success? And you look back and you average that out across, you know, five years or 10 years and you're starting to just see a better picture. See, and that's, I think looking at it there, I think we automatically, I, I know I automatically do that. When I go into a unit profile, mm -hmm. I'm looking at the average bar. Like I'm something that I just do, do by nature. And so and people, a lot of people we found out don't have the inkling to do that. Like mm -hmm. they don't know why they should be looking at averages, why they should be looking at trends. Mm -hmm. You know, particularly we always hear during draw odd season, like the points creep, yeah. you know, kind of that, that whole buzz that comes out is like, you know, it, it says I had a hundred percent chance to draw. I didn't draw. Well, if you go back and look at that trend, you know, which jumped a point every single year for, you know, six years, you would project that it would jump, you yeah. know, another point. And so being able to identify the trends and, and building tools on our platform that do that for you. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to have kind of that root knowledge and, and kind of understanding to, to look for things, I think will help a lot of people. I had a conversation the other day at a gas station with somebody that you and I both know really well. And uh, I was talking about a deer tag that I've got. And I just mentioned to him, I said, yeah, there's prob probably not a ton of deer in that unit. And he says, yeah, but you know, it's better than that. There's just not a lot of hunters either. He said, I'd take, I'd take less hunters than a lot of deer any day in my life, you know. And that's kind of the way that he looks at it. Uh, but that got me thinking, you know, post, I'm like, man, that would be a pretty sick filter, you know, just to see um, kind of the number of hunters, like you were saying earlier, just you know, the amount of pressure and, and I would, and it'd be cool just to see, mm -hmm. you know, trends in that regard too, that was a little bit easier to process to, because I think, I mean, there's, there's magic in that, you know? Yeah. Cause I think we all think about the big picture things all the time we're applying. We look at yeah, but everything we're, collectively. We're nerds. Yeah. We're the nerd of everything, but it's yeah. like individual person probably doesn't understand. Oh yeah. If you look at draw odds, you have to look at hunter pressure. You have to look at how many OTC elk hunters are in there at the same time? That's like, going to say a, a perfect example of that. And how you, you know, how you calculate that hunter per square mile is not only are you considering the, like the hunt coder skew that you're talking about, like that deer tag and color, that third season deer tag you're looking to draw. And what you need to realize is there may be 2,500 elk hunters in that unit as yeah. well, that same season. So not only are you competing against 150 deer hunters that you're trying to draw that tag with, but you've also got all those elk hunters running around in there, same dates. Yep, muzzleloader hunters maybe in Colorado. Yeah, so yeah. Know, knowing what you have, you know, mm -hmm. out on the landscape, I think will be will be a powerful. When you go to filtering 2.0, like what's the first filter you go to? Personally? Yeah. Trophy potential. Okay. 
So trophy potential. I do like a combination of filters and sort. Like I'm I'm going trophy potential, sort of highest to lowest male to female ratio. Mm-hmm. Then I get into draw odds and and I guess I take the mentality of you know, in a lot of the states, your harvest number is only as good as the reporting from the state. Mm-hmm. And some of the states are really good at it. Some of them aren't. And so I take harvest success with a grain of salt, if you will. I hope that I'm more proficient than the majority. Mm-hmm. And so that I, you know, I kind of air that filter down a little bit personally. Explain the sort filter. I think a lot of people don't realize we have a sort option as well as filters. So there's the, on on that screen on the right-hand side, if you're on the desktop on the right-hand side, you've got all your filters that you've got, the slider bars or the points you can put in. But at the top of that list, there's a little sort button and you can select, you know, whether you want to sort them highest to lowest alphabetically, which they're defaulted to, or like male to female in, in my case, or harvest, you can, you can sort them by the highest you know, harvest success to lowest. And so what that does is just helps you, helps my brain kind of rank them, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was, uh, I'm curious what the process of getting into draw odds was like. Was it overwhelming at first? It was very much, yeah. No, (laughs) it's... Had to have been. (laughs) Yeah, it was, like I say, it took months, months and months. One, we had to identify what data we have to have to calculate odds because in a lot of states it 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 wasn't available it's still not publicly available in a lot of states so what data and then working through you know some states require you there's a state out there that requires me to do a public records request i have to have that public records request notarized by a notary of the public, public. submit that in mail form or fax and then pay like and then they will accept or reject it and i have to pay the money to process that request because it does take time like a lot of these aren't quick data polls and so like figuring out that that was the first hurdle was just getting the data that we felt comfortable you know in aggregating to com- compute a draw odds and then finding out the right methodology and process and equation to produce what we feel are the most accurate odds out there so mm-hmm. and it's always funny when i hear well montana has draw odds in their regulation book and i'm like have you ever looked at their odds like yeah it's not your true odds. No, they're terrible. How do you answer that with somebody? I mean, I we hear it a lot. I th- I hear people say like, "Oh, I can look at my odds at any you know any given state report." Uh, some states you can, and I think if you have a decent understanding of the state, like you can you can somewhat. I say somewhat because I, I mean I'm even thinking of a state like Colorado. It's pretty straightforward as far as preference points go, right? Like you can look at it, but then again, I mean, the reports are ginormous and they're by individual hunt code. And I mean, to look at like, to, to compare two different or three different hunts is a complete fiasco. I mean, it's really complicated, but I mean, how do you, yeah. How do you address that question from somebody? Like, what's your thought? Typically, I'm a, I'm upfront and open now. Like if they were just looking at Colorado, it comes down to, yes, you could find your odds of drying. I would, well, for most species, like you start talking the big three, yeah, it's out the door because they have a weighted. Yeah, at that point, you're introducing a bunch of math that, no, is not really that straightforward. That's a pretty sweet process, the way they do that. Yes, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> um, but on the deer side, it, it comes down to that. Like, are you liter- are you just sent on, I want to hunt X unit in X season, and I just need to know how many years I need to apply? Because if that's the case, you could get that information from the state. And I'm open with them about that. Sure. 
But my ne- my follow up question is, why are you looking at that unit and why are you looking at that season? Well, mm-hmm. it typically goes back. Well, that's where I'm familiar. I'm like, man, right. you're sitting at you know you've got this this many points. The current state of Colorado, you may not catch that hunt for a decade. Why aren't you looking at these ten options? Mm-hmm. Well, what are those? And at that point, it's like, okay, if you had a filter that you could look at multiple units, you know, put in criteria that you want out of a hunt and look at other options, you might be hunting this year versus waiting, you know, 10 years. Yeah. And so there's that. There's To your point, there's the ease of, of comparing units. Um, some states, they just can't. You can't get from a state report. Colorado's one of those that, yeah, if you were just looking at the state report, you could technically get that information. For individual hunts. Yeah, for an individual hunt. But, yeah, I mean, you, you literally have to go through and use the Control-F function and find each individual hunt code and then compare those. Yeah, and I will say, like, on the draw side, it's more straightforward. We get questions all the time on Colorado's harvest reports. Sure. Like, if you've yeah. ever looked at Colorado's harvest report, they're pretty convoluted. Like, you need to know what part of that report to look at for the season you're yeah, cause they wanting give, to find. Yeah, they give total harvest. They give bulk bull harvest. I mean, there's all kinds. Yeah. Of, and it depends on the hunt. If it's depends got on code, the hunt code. Like, if it's code. an EM or an EE. Yeah, or, yeah their, their harvest report's kind of... Eh. So... I mean, I, I've been doing it for a long time, and even I look at it from time to time and, like, have to go back and scratch my head and be like, is that the right one I looked at? Nope. Got to scroll down another six pages, yep. you know, to find it. But, I mean, I think about Wyoming. I mean, Wyoming puts out draw odds reports, but you're looking at, you know, four different reports essentially for a non-resident if you want to look at your odds. I mean, you're looking at regular, special, uh, preference point, and you're also looking at random for each one, and you have to understand how their draw system works to see, you know, why there might be potentially some that go to the secondary draw. And then you're like, how does that work? You know, it's like Mm -hmm. essentially you're looking at five different sheets to to try to understand potentially what your odds might be. And that's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. It's, it's, it's complicated. It really is. I mean, every year when I write the, you know, when I, I look at them, I look at our odds and you're going back through and looking things. I mean, it's, it's complex. I mean, I, I wouldn't sugarcoat it any, any way, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's, it's tough. So we have we have a million tools on Insider, Hunt Planner, Filtering 2.0, Draw Odds, Point Tracker, App Strategies. What's your favorite tool we have that you lean on most? I go back to your Filtering 2.0 and Draw Odds. Uh, it depends on the state on which one I use. Some of the states that I've hunted for decades now, I go I jump straight to Draw Odds. Because you know them, yeah. Yeah, because I've got I'm literally comparing you know a dozen hunts and just seeing where they fall, what I want, like. Other states, you know, Idaho is a perfect example as I'm not tied down to one area. So I jump into filtering more than I do. Mm-hmm. And you don't know, like, with the way Idaho's process has gone, like, I need to have a list of 10. You do. And so it's not like I'm, you know, I, so I'm using a bunch of different criteria that's that's offered in, in filtering to, to make that list, if you will. And so I, like a state like Idaho, I, I use filtering 2.0 and then the hunt planner tool. And literally while I'm online waiting for that December 1st deadline, I've got hunt planner with my one through, you know, yeah, one you through four or five. And, yep. So what do you think for a new hunter? Most powerful tool for them? Man, I would a, like a brand new hunter. I, I usually point those to the state profiles, state and species profiles. Like if you can identify what you want to hunt like that's a question that we get a lot is is i want to hunt the west typically they're wanting to hunt elk like that's mm-hmm. kind of the magic animal magic in the west animal. to hunt magic animal so no, you know if you can jump into colorado 
it's like state profile, it runs you through how to get started in that yep. state, what what options you have. And that's like a brand new hunter. Because once they figure out, oh, I can either draw a tag or I can just buy a tag, at that point they know which way to go into filtering 2.0. Mm-hmm. I do think a lot of people kind of forget about the state and species profiles. Like there's a lot of good gems in there. There, Yeah, and that's – so we we update those every year, and a lot of a lot of the parts of the, the – app strategy articles actually get infused into state profiles mm-hmm. um there's a lot of crossover information in those so yeah, there's a lot of information you need to know even before you apply like yep whatever your hunter id number is you know you have to carry your hunter safety certificate in the field like all the little crazy nuances like you'll find it right in there yep yeah it's a lot it's a lot of info <laughs> it so is a lot of how info. do you tell somebody to so i mean a new a new insider you know joins the platform and you know whether they've got some experience or really none at all i mean how do you yeah how do you get started do you think i mean is it it's hard i think it can be hard i think we need to do a better job at that probably just even on the content side of like helping people understand like where to get started if they and anybody that listens if you're not familiar with it reach out to us like yeah. i've got nate dave Braden, they'll all jump on a phone call with you you know it's a good good tip you know give us a call shoot us an email say hey i don't understand things well mm-hmm. i will you know we're more than willing to walk people through it so yeah that is a good idea just to maybe reach out if you're having some confusion about it it, it i think for we do have some pretty good videos out there in in how to use different things and so you can find the content on youtube i think there's even a playlist that's yep, kind of insider focused if you will mm-hmm. um you know, watch those if, but like I say, if not, reach out to us. We're more willing to help people. I want to go back to draw odds real quick. Uh, you mentioned a couple of times that you have a data scientist. Like, why do we have to, why do we have a need for a data scientist? And, Just, and, spe- and specifically to what, I mean, what states, what draws, what are the nuances of it that you can think of and why would you need it? We use them for pretty much every state. Um, and it's literally, it's just the, the math and the statistics that go into producing an odds. Like when you, we, we use New Mexico, you can apply, you know, your first choice, second choice, third choice. They're all considered when they pull your app. Well, if you just took total number of applicants that had that hunt code on their application versus the number of tags, that's your absolute worst case scenario you could come up with. Oftentimes, applicants are going to draw their first choice or their second choice before they get considered, you know. So if, if someone draws their first choice, their applicant shouldn't, shouldn't their application shouldn't be counted mm-hmm. in your odds for their second and third choice. And so part of it is the level of detail that we get there, but then putting it in and actually running it through that, you know, script or algorithm, you know, I don't know how to do it. You so, model it, right? We do model. It's mm-hmm. a model. It's each a simulation. State, yeah. yeah, each state gets a different model. So that and that's part of the complexity is if every state ran the draw the exact same way, we could probably write it and, and automate it and have somebody just push a button. But every state is different in how it works. And then it seems like every single year they present their data in a slightly different way. So you have to reformat. <laughs> You're the, welcome. Yeah. So yeah. it's. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a fun process. It it's literally a process, and we're we kind of geek out on it. It's not that we, it's not that we just run that through that our data scientist you know puts the data in, gets the data out. We literally go through every single hunt code and verify and validate it. Yeah, and it's and like how are your eyes after that day? It's not, not even a day. a day. It's like <laughs> it's a four. <laughs> yeah, it's like a four month deal. Yeah, and it's 
That's like a so. that's like him and his team just sitting there at their computer every day, spot checking odds, yeah. looking at odds, line by line. Yeah, line by line. What's fun is when states then have air, like because you've got a, a set of we get the raw data, and so we get a set of a set of data that's a little bit more definitive, accurate, if you will, and then with any large data transfer there's prone to errors and processing errors. So then you get a public type report and you'll look at some of the numbers on the public report and you're like, those don't match. Mm. Brandon's mm -hmm. always finding those. And so, yeah. He always used to be like, come look at this. Does this make sense to you? Yeah. You're like, nope, that doesn't add up to yeah. me. So and then what goes on? You, we try, try to verify the data. I yeah. Assume. So we go through a process, verify which one is correct and why. And that way we have an answer as, as to the difference, if you will. Yeah. But yeah, that's, and every state has that. It doesn't matter. I think it's just the amount of data that gets produced are are prone to those. Yeah. In in uh, in regard to draws, like what are the most commonly asked like questions that people get or misunderstandings, if you will? And your what do you think? I think the number one is is whether they're predictive or not. Mm. Um, and I like we have looked at predictive odds in the past. Um, we've produced some, and there's just so much variability between you know, individuals and choices being made that it's very, very hard to do a predictive odds. I would be very skeptical if somebody ever said, hey, we've got a really accurate predictive odd because like you look at what happened in Arizona this year and people wouldn't have predicted, you know, some units jumped seven, eight point levels this year. And it's a combination of they got a ton of moisture. Mm -hmm. they, it's been a drought year the last couple of years. They cut some tags in some areas. And so you've got this whole compounding effect that this year people are more committed to burning points than they ever have been. So you had you had people going into like the Kaibab early hunt and they burned a ton of points to pull that tag. Because they saw want, all those big bucks shot on the late hunts and they were like, hey, I'm gonna get first crack at yeah, those bad know. boys. You look at me too, like, you know, I have a ton of antelope points, a ton of elk points in a lot of states and some of those states I never and reply, I spilled points. Mm -hmm. So how would you do a predictive if you never know when I'm going to jump in? All of a sudden, I'm going to jump in with my 12 antelope points and just draw a hunt, like party after my dad, try to get a good tag. Like that's where the difficulty comes in. And you I can't predict that. Like in looking at the data, we've seen that. Like m more and more in today's, it used to be that you'd be like, I want to get into that hunt just with within a point. Well, like, I think more and more. Too, I mean. I think more and more people are willing to jump ship and look at a different area to draw a permit than it's like you were saying. I think a lot of us back in the day, we were pretty well committed to the areas that we knew and we liked to hunt, you know, we, we hunted out the back door, we hunted granddad spots, you know? So I think that's what we applied for. And I think now, I mean, we're kind of looking at what we have for points and like what's available and we're jumping all around. I think about my applications. I mean, what a disaster. I'm going all over the place. I'm, you know, <laughs> No, and that's like, I would have been willing, like in Arizona this year, I would have been willing to just burn points to get into a tag down there. Yeah, just kicking my own ass that I didn't. So I, mean, I, I could have done a late archery tag, and I sure, certainly should have, <laughs> based on what I'm seeing so far. Yeah. <laughs> so that, um, so like when you say predictive, I mean, what? so they're not predictive. No, they're, aren't predictive. So they're based off of the previous year's draw data which is, and like I say, we, we pull that data from the most recent draw that happened and we're pulling the amount of data that we can process how mm -hmm. the draw worked and give you, you know, your, your chance of drawing that tag based on what happened last year. And, you know, with that though, the way that we, I think part of the big value that I see in our draw odds is how we present the data. Like if you jump into what we call the draw odds detail page. So if you go into draw odds, 
put your filters in and then actually click into the unit you're interested in, it will give you a multi-year trend. And that's what I go to to look at it. And then I'm making a decision, you know, has it stayed at four points for the last four or five years? You know, at that point, I'm pretty confident it's going to take me four points. If it's jumped, you know, like if you, like look at the Arizona Strip. Like it's a perfect example everybody talks about. You can visually see it jumping a point every single year. Mm-hmm. And it's like at that point, if you're not at that point level, you'll, you just won't live long enough to catch the hunt. Unless you're one of the lucky random, you know, if mm-hmm. you're that lucky, yeah. you know, buy a lottery ticket. But Unless they change management. Yeah. Or, or, you know, and, and you're, I've never seen more talk about changing draw processes or changing point systems. You know, there's a lot of change on the landscape across these Western states to try and address that. Do you like, hear anything specific? Any, Colorado's any got rumors. You know, you, well, you saw, you saw Wyoming make changes and then they voted down the bonus point strategy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that could have changed, you know, that's a state that I probably won't apply for, for those three species. I don't. So it's just not, you know what I mean? Yeah, just not. If you do the math, it's not worth it. Nope. And so, you know, some of the things, Colorado, you know, is talking about point banking or changing, you know, they're changing the allocation to, you know, how many tags they allocate to to non-residents, but they've got a committee that's looking into how they can address points creep. And and it may be, you know, they've talked about points banking. They've talked about a few other solutions. um, What do they mean by point banking? So, like, say you had 20 points going into a hunt, Mm -hmm. you were the high point holder, but the next one was only a 10 point. It only took 10 points to drop. Well, they're only going to take 10 points out of your. So you go into next year with my extra points. Yeah, I love this. They did that. I don't know if you were. If (laughs) you were, vote for that one. I don't know if you were. I'm going to take all my elk points and burn them on a three point unit, and then retain whatever I got left. I want to say in the when did they? They did that for like a year. Really? Yeah, they allowed to do it. I want to say it was in the early 2000s. I'm, I'm here for that one. Let's do that one. It didn't really right, didn't work right, then. Right. I don't know why they want to revisit it now. I can't imagine it would help because, no. I mean, it, in my opinion, it perpetuates it. it like, would. it's like yeah, it you got these work. high point holders and these low point holders are just getting yeah. screwed because they can't. Like, yeah. there's people drawing two tags before they get a draw yeah. one. The so. guy's going to go on two 10 point hunts. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you think there is a fair way to reset the system? A man. It, to define fair there is pretty it's, difficult. Yeah, like, like you have those guys who are so dedicated, they had I, 20 years of their life invested into it, now you're going to change things over. Or Honestly, though, like if you, if you, some of us are vested in that, so it's hard to be like, you know, just detach yourself from it. But yeah. at the end of the day, the state has never guaranteed that the point system will last forever. Like I get mm. that you've invested and that you're 20 points deep. They don't owe you anything from those 20 years, in my opinion. Like yeah. it's Ooh. a... You've got to manage. You might storm the Capitol on that one. <laughs> but you've got, like, at the end of the day, you have to manage for the resource, in my opinion. Yeah. And if if you can't do that under the current systems, you know, to, you're never going to please everybody, I guess is a good yeah. way to do it. I mean, we're just talking about we don't apply in Wyoming for the big three. So, like, that's a lot of money the state's not getting. Could we just know we're never going to draw tags? Why would we go and support that? Why would we apply in that state for those species? It's like... That's a scary factor we might come into down the road. Kids, are yeah. they ever going to get tags? Well, it's not scary, never gonna... for, not scary for residents of Wyoming. They love that. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a, there's a debate to say that, you know, there are some people out there that say residents should fund their own wildlife. And sure. currently that's not happening either. You know, the, the vast majority of funding through state agencies is coming from the non-resident side. Mm-hmm. So, the old resident, non-resident debate. Whew. But, that's a hot topic. Yeah. 
That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. I wanted to ask you. This is I'll let Brady talk about maps because I know he loves maps yeah. more than more than I love maps. I like maps, but not, not after after Livesey podcast. You're getting a little bit more excited. I about did maps. like that one. I did learn some things from okay. Mark that I thought oh, I could probably use that yeah. if I had the time and the attention span to sit down and do it. But uh, I wanted to ask you about the quote unquote the go hunt effect. And mm. <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you think about the go hunt effect? And that's not a term we came up with, by the way. That's, yeah, that's the uh, did we interwebs. we didn't term we didn't term that. No. Yeah, uh, is go hunt ruining hunting in your opinion? No, I. We've showcased opportunity, and so by doing so, has it increased hundred percent participation? Absolutely. Like, I don't view that as a bad thing. Again, going back to funding states, like they have to have hunters in the field to operate. Like you talk about hunters are the true hunter, hunting is the true form of conservation. Well, the more hunters we have a field, the better that is for hunting in general. And so uh, to that point though, I've had people hunt areas that they never would have had. Like they would, they wouldn't have even thought about hunting in particular areas. So, you know, on the flip side, have we, have we showcased, showcased opportunity? Absolutely. Have we, you know, expose some little see someone's secret. Maybe I don't know if we have or not. I don't know. Not I'm, purposely. No, yeah. like, but because of because of just showcasing opportunity, have mm. we exposed some some areas of opportunity that may have been kept secret somewhere? Possibly. I don't know of any. I don't think. I don't think with the amount of information that is just out there right now that there is truly a secret to Western honey. I just, you know, there there are very much strategies. Mm-hmm. that you can apply to, you know, to acquire tags every year. Um, but, and, and we share some of those strategies, but I don't think that, you know, we have ruined hunting, if you will. Yeah. I was curious as to what you thought. But if you ask someone who lives up in Wyoming, whether we ruined hunting or this last winter is going to ruin hunting, <laughs> they probably side on the winter kill versus what <laughs> yeah. we've done up there. Mother nature, huh? So yes. I think there's a lot of factors you talk about, you know, and from Southern Utah, the big buzz is, is about the deer herd in Southern Utah. I think drought has done more for the deer herd or has done more to the deer herd in Southern Utah than hunters have. Yeah. And so I think there are some factors that you just can't control mm-hmm. that, that have a, a bigger play in what hunting is than do you a talk, platform. Do you talk to people that tell you like, oh, I can't get a tag anymore. There's nowhere to go. I get it all the time. Yeah. How do you answer it? It depends on the situation. Sometimes I just chuckle and leave because it's like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you're right, bud. Sorry yeah. about that. You know, that, sorry about it. Like growing up, like when I go back to the hometown, they they know what I do now for a living, and it's that way. Well, you know, how do you get a tag? You yeah. know, I saw you on a YouTube video. How do you get a tag for that? And it's like, man, one you've got to buck the the trend of I just need X deer tag in Southern Utah. Like, just give me a tag in Utah. At that point, it opens up your your horizons. Like mm-hmm. there were there were tags you could have drawn this year mm-hmm. in in about every state, whether you're willing to or not. Are you going to draw the Pavant Early Rifle Elk tag this year? No, probably not, unless you're sitting at thirty points or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think it it goes back into just showcasing. You've got to be willing to branch out and venture out of the comfort zone and learn, and then you'll you'll be able to put tags. I I haven't gone a season yet. Knock on wood. That I haven't been able to pick up a tag. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So, and there's always tags. 
Just what yeah, you're I mean, willing I'm, to go do. I'm, I'm constantly, I guess, I'm, I mean, like this year, I've only got, I've drawn two deer tags and that's pretty much it. And I'm thinking, you know, it's, it's kind of a light year for, for me as far as I, you know, I go. But then, you know, I start doing a little looking and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I still, I still have an opportunity. I mean, what, what do you have left? I mean, maybe run over it real quick just to maybe let people know. So the yesterday, the Nevada first come first serve came yep. back and the, I saw two non-resident tags pop up yesterday. Oh, you did non-resident tags. Uh-huh. Perfect. They were non-resident? Both, non-resident. What, what were they? They were both cow elk tags, oh, but no. they were there and I could have bought one yeah. had I wanted. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, cow elk doesn't get me like so excited, but, <laughs> but there <they're, laughs> was an antelope tag. I'm an yeah, archery antelope, antelope, like an antelope I'm Jones in front of archery antelope tag. Um, so there's that left. There's the, the Colorado leftover list is going to start generating in August. I think August 9th is the first day you can buy tags. That's people um, that turn return their permit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then that'll happen every week until those seasons are done with. You've got the Idaho, you know, turn back list, if you will. You know, your Colorado OTC that just is always there. Yeah, you're probably going to take advantage of that yeah. this year. Sounds August like August first, I think. When um, is the Idaho one? How often do they do that? Right now, it's usually once a month, but uh, starting, I think it's in August or September, they do twice a month. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's always the tag list comes out on a Tuesday. You can buy those tags on Thursday at 10 a.m. And those are any time. tags that are general season tags or controlled tags, right? That they've drawn. Controlled tags are past once. the second draw. Okay. Yeah. Controlled so tags about August 5th through the 15th. Yeah. And as soon, as soon as they're through the second draw, which we're through? I'm trying to remember. In Idaho? In Idaho. No, it's coming up. Okay. Yeah. Got you. Yeah, that's, that's the 5th to the 15th. Got gotcha. you. And for then it. anything beyond that would just be released on the list and it's first come, first serve, right? Yep. And then. I'm not sure when the Montana one was, but there were some archery oak tags on the Montana leftover list if you're up in Montana and can pick mm-hmm. those up. So those were available. Um, so yeah. that Utah over-the-counter archery, which is unlimited. Unlimited. And then the, the late the late, the late any bull tag is unlimited. Late so any bull tag those unlimited. Um, That's right. And you still got, uh, I guess, what, Oregon Coast, right, for mm-hmm. elk? Those yeah, are over-the-counter. Over you got the some counter in Oregon. stuff there. There's still a bunch of hunts. Be, like if you're willing to hunt California, there's always some leftover deer tags in California. Nope. You can pick up two tags down there. <laughs> Brady, you going to California? Hunt mule deer? That's, that's the one on my list because I wanted to kill mule deer in every state. That's going to be my last one. What if you go to California and just kill a buck of a lifetime? What are the odds of that? <laughs> Actually, there are big deer kills in California every single year. Yeah, I'm sure Maybe not on the over-the-counter archery tag, but yeah. there are like – Every year you see a buck come out of California that you're like, how in the world? Yeah. Um, but no, they're there. Huh. Man, now my head's turning. I, I'm still thinking about all the opportunity I've still got out there. Do you, There's a lot. Like you want an archery antelope hunt. They offer those in Colorado. Yeah. So you could go OTC on that. Um, Just have a fun place to hunt. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's actually, and that's you go back, like that's all the opportunity. That's all showcased on the product. Like, mm-hmm. if you really wanted to go hunt, you'd go do it. How do you, uh, so moving over to maps, mm. I mean, I, j- I just mentioned, you, you mentioned the archery over-the-counter antelope in Colorado, and then, you know, immediately I said if you could find a place to hunt. Uh, so that kind of transitions me over to maps. And, and how do you think maps, like, how does maps fit into the entire platform? That Maps, but to answer your question, you know, there's a very specific set of layers that I would use to identify that. One, jump in and, and look at their walk-in access. Like there's some, mm. you know, there's some private land in some of those units that you're just going to get. You probably are going to have competition. You may not. It's interesting. Archery antelope hunting in Colorado is not as popular as you would think it would be. So I, 
probably not. <laughs> you may you may you may or may not have competition yeah. on the, on those types of properties, but they still offer that. So mm-hmm. like that's a very specific use case on where maps comes into play is like I can buy this tag, where do I go hunt? Well, here's some layers that come into the planning process of that. But overall, I think that for me that's what maps is. Is it's like I need maps once I've got a permit. Mm-hmm. Once I have obtained a permit, at that point, I'm going in and starting to e-scout. Sounds like you had a good podcast with Mark. He divulged a, a ton of information in that process. And then, you know, that's kind of the the playbook that I'm going into the hunt with. That's mm-hmm. where I'm going to have plan A through Z, if you will. And and depending on what weather does, it's very dependent on how I'm using maps. You know, whether it's an early season archery deer tag in the high country versus a third season transition, yeah. you know, I'm using maps i'm using different layers within maps to help identify and pinpoint where i'm going to be on the landscape for those particular seasons we've done a lot of talking about uh using maps just to e-scout and i think that i mean if you boiled it down it's probably the you know one of the primary or if not the primary use case scenario for maps and layers and you know every uh, the, the tools that our maps has uh i was actually surprised like as i was going through application season this year Maybe not surprised, but I I was using maps a lot, like in in conjunction with my application. So I was looking at things. I'm thinking specifically in you know Wyoming for mule deer. I used maps a ton. You know, I'm looking at things like fire layers, and you know, I'm comparing units at my point level that I could potentially draw. You know, back to the maps and the layers. You know, the migration, the fire layers, the public land layers. I'm using it way more. It's probably just because you know I work here and I'm I'm using both of them and but I'm using those way more during application season than I ever thought. You you? It's a very powerful tool during app season. Like for me, I want to know where's that public land at and is that public land in a good area in that unit where I think a mule deer buck might be hanging out. Mm. So I really want to look at. It. I want to look at layer stacking. I want to get a late season Colorado deer tag. I want I want to stack some migration layers on top of the public land you know, figure out where those burns might be and try to find that middle ground where all those stuff overlap. Like, hey, that could be a good good spot in that unit. Mm-hmm. I have the points I could draw that tag, like, or what's that unit next door? And then jumping over, looking at OTC elk pressure, like where's that gonna mix in? And I use it all the time for antelope. Antelope's a big, big use case. I use it all the time because I'm, I'm always looking at my draw odds to draw an antelope tag, like a state when, in like Wyoming. And I'm looking you know, at the units and I'm like, okay, I don't have this many points and these are my options. And then I'm immediately going to maps and I'm comparing the, uh, the units that I'm looking at to the public land layers in those units. And mm-hmm. they're like, they're like almost, you know, they're congruent, right? So Absolutely. The, the, the more easy, public land there is, the harder it is to draw. The, and yeah. so you basically you're analyzing, okay, I've, I've got this many points that I could draw. Is it worth, like, mm-hmm. is there enough public land there that I could be successful in it? Yeah. I just talked to a guy. We were at TAC last weekend, and we talked to a, a fellow that was shooting behind us, and he was saying, yeah, I've got this antelope tag in Wyoming. And I asked him what unit, and he told me what unit. And I was like, oh, man, I hope, you know, I kind of hope you got a plan together for, you know, hunting that because there's just not a lot of public land in that unit. And he was kind of showing me or telling me uh, where he thought he had some access to jump off into that unit. And he was doing his research, and, you know, some of it I agreed with and some of it I didn't. You know, I was just kind of like, well, okay, you know, I hope it works out for you, and maybe I'd think about here and I'd, I'd think about there because I've kind of been through that area. But, uh, I mean, I mean, I, I it just made me think, like, here's potentially a guy that has an antelope tag that may not – it may not end up being a great hunt for him is what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Like, he, he may – you know, he may think he's going to go up there and have a phenomenal hunt. He might get up there and look at it and be like, you know, there's really nowhere to hunt. Yeah. Like, I can't find a spot to hunt. You know, so 
I don't know. I think it's it's definitely worthwhile using it during um, you know application season. And then I think yeah, you're right. I mean, we've talked a lot about e scouting. We talked a lot about e scouting with Mark. And then you know the ability to roll all that information into your actual hunt and get out on the ground. Mm-hmm. But even jumping back to like app season, like I could take elevation bands and knowing like, hey, I want to go to Colorado. I want to hunt high alpine mule deer. Well, I can turn the 10,000, 11,500 foot elevation bands. I can see all that alpine where it's at in Colorado. See this, put the unit boundary layer on as well. Jump back over to filtering 2.0. Now I know a baseline of some of the units to look at rather than the whole state and kind of narrow it down. Like I just want to go to Colorado. I want to have an adventure. I want to be up in the alpine chasing high country velvet bucks. That's going to give me a great starting point to figure out what you need to apply for. I I would actually do that. So back in the day, I liked the reason that that I started bow hunting high alp like alpine mule deer in Colorado was tr- trying to take the variables out of the hunt. Like in in a back then, the second and third season were yeah, like where they might they be. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. like well, or or so many dependencies that I couldn't control. Like mm-hmm. a, a second, third season, fourth season, to a degree, I'm, it's dependent on weather, mm-hmm. migration, you know, whether they're going to be timbered up or not timbered up. Like at that point, looking for that very specific terrain, you know, above tree line, they're not going to be timbered up. Like finding a very specific tree line helped me eliminate variables that I couldn't control. And I felt like, okay, I'm playing with them on their turf in the most controllable situation that I have. What I need to worry about is them seeing me or smelling me mm-hmm. and whether I could get to them or not. And so those were the only variables I had to worry about. I didn't need to worry about them, you know, having a good snowstorm the week before to kick them down in, to start the migration, to like It's a good argument for early season archery hunts yeah. Yeah. Mus- so, and, and muzzler hunts. That's, that's kind of why I went that route is I, I felt like I could get it done better and took some of those, those uncontrollable variables out of the hunt. Yeah. So. What do you like about we're going to go hunt? What do you dislike? <laughs> what, do I, <laughs> what, do I, what do I like? The, the number one thing that I like is helping people hunt, helping mm. people get out in the field. Uh, those are the most enjoyable emails you get. Is like when you when being part of the, the CS team, you guys get it through social media. I get it through emails in and being able to respond to somebody and give them, you know, help them along the journey. Like a lot of times it's going to be a first time Western big game hunter that just wants to go hunt elk in Colorado with a bow and arrow. And it's like, man, helping them just in even as much as just being like, Hey, check out these 10 units. Like I know I've had success in these 10. I've had friends had success and they go and actually either have the experience of a lifetime or they actually do harvest an animal. Like that is incredibly rewarding Mm because you're sharing, you're sharing the passion that I grew up doing. And like the, that's, you know, you talk about hobbies or passions. This is this is what we do. This is what I do. You know, that's and so being able to share that with people is probably the biggest joy and the the like of hunting it or working at Go Hunt is you're you're sharing your passion with anybody and everybody. Um, you know, being able to dive in and geek out on what we've talked about in the details and you know that's what we did in the free time. I get I get paid to do that, if you will. Yeah. Um, the things I don't like about it, <laughs> it. I don't, I've, I've found so much opportunity that I, I, you almost overbite or overcommit. Mm. Like I've had years that I put so many tags in my pocket that I'm, you just are scrambled. You're not successful on any of them. And you're like, and so the, it's like, 
it's like people, it's like in the gear shop. The mm -hmm. more gear you look at in the gear shop, the more gear you want to buy. Yeah. So you, you yes. end up poor. And so it's more. Yeah, it's, I always click um, on the newly added blink and I'm like, damn it, need that. That's like a scary that. tab to look at. Yeah. And so like being so exposed to it is probably a detriment to. His, his uh, I mean, so I, I talked to a lot of people. I mean, I, I spent, you know, a couple of days at TAC and we talked to just a ton of people. And there's a lot of people ask me a lot all the time, you know, do you, do you like working in the hunting industry? Uh, you know, how would somebody get involved in working in the hunt industry? And like, are you glad that you, in fact, we, we had a guy stop me, he works for the state gen, just right now, kind of like I did, you know, um, I was curious, do you, do you feel like working within the hunting industry? Do, do you still feel the same about hunting as you did when, you know, before it, do you feel any differently? Honestly, I, I've got a different perception of the industry, if you will, mm -hmm. but hunting as as a whole, like hunting in general, no, I've got the same perception. I still, it's still my true love, if you what will. Do you, so, what do you think about the landscape of hunting, like in the West right now? It's changing. It's evolving. Um, How do you feel about it? I'm optimistic about it. Um, I've I've seen I've seen some states that have been pretty inactive, if you will, take a bunch of action to better hunting and the resource. And so I'm, I'm optimistic in that measure. Um, honestly, I think hunters bicker too much. Like, you know what I mean? It's, and you hear that all the time, but you know, it's a privilege that we have to be able to hunt. It may, you know, it, it's a very, a very real factor that it may not be here forever. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I think it's something, it's a heritage that we need to protect. And you can't do that if you're not, you know, in unison and collective and have one voice. You know, I think it's it, the it's gotten so political. You've seen states make changes through legislation yeah. that have overrid biology, and that's scary to me. That yeah. tells me that, you know, as hunters, we need to get smart and be able to 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 combat that, if you will. Like there 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 are real forces trying to eliminate hunting out there, mm -hmm. and so. You know, but overall, I'm pretty optimistic about it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh it's interesting to think about for sure. I think I think about it quite a lot. You know, I, I mean, I I grew up in the '80s, you know, and then early '90s when I when I was hunting, and I remember my first few deer hunts. And I think I think about those experiences. And if I'm honest, I think I think I'm getting a better experience now, and it might just because I'm a better hunter. But like, I generally think I see more animals. I feel like it's better hunting. I feel like I have way more opportunity than I, and, and, and some of that comes with knowledge. A lot of it comes with knowledge, you know, of different states and going to different places and just general hunting knowledge. But I think in a lot of ways, I think, you know, comparatively, I, I think we're in a, a good spot to me, it feels like. I think it's becoming more competitive. I'm kind of like you. I think a lot of us bitch too much about it. You know, I think we bitch too much about the lack of opportunity. I think we get real tribal, you know. I think we... I think we get real competitive. I don't know if that's just because, you know, a lot of us are, are men or whatever it is, but like, I, I, I agree. That's the kind of stuff that bugs me a little bit, but so I was just curious. That's a good one. I want to go back to maps. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I get all philosophical. We're getting, and we're like, getting I still way, got questions about maps. We're getting way deep here. I know this is a, my bad. I, yeah. Well, this is the interesting thing. I was sitting here talking to Brandon and I thought, you know, I work with Brandon and I worked in the same office as Brandon and we, we've had a lot of conversations over the years, but like, I don't remember the last time we just sat and had a conversation. Yeah. So it's know, like, that's, that's why the podcast is fun. We get yeah, it is kind of fun. The details. We can go for hours more. I want to dive into some of the new stuff we got coming out and go hunt maps. Okay. So we just like, we just launched historical imagery. Mm -hmm. Maybe walk me through that. And then uh, the new release on uh, mobile that we got coming out. 
So historical imagery, if you haven't seen it, is exactly that. You can go, you can take satellite imagery and just go back in time with it. And there's, the more you, the more we've talked about it, I had some pretty specific use cases as to why I wanted it and yeah. how I use it. But the more that, that you talk about it and talk to different people, like the use, the use case for that tool is endless. Yeah, like, we've done a bunch of content pieces on it. Every time we do another content piece, I'm like, oh yeah. I think I thought of it that way, but you said a little bit differently. And now I thought of this other new use case for it as well. Like, it's yeah, endless. so it's, it's, it's pretty powerful. Um, I've, I've used it quite a bit already. Um, so some of the, the mobile side of things, um, one thing that we're real passionate about is our topo, our, yep. our, and it's available on desktop. Um, but we call it the go hunt topo. It was a topo built by, by one of our GIS analysts, to be honest mm -hmm. with you, that is a hunter. Uh, yeah, and it's it's unique to Gohan in the fact that hunters created this topo for a very specific reason. It's not a, a outdoor wreck. It's not a sightseeing type topo. It doesn't have, you know, all of that type of information baked on it. Uh, we've simplified some things and we've amplified some things. So like some like a topo, if you know how to read them, the green part of a topo is vegetation. The mm -hmm. white part is open terrain, and so we're able to accurately, more accurately depict that. So when you're, a lot of times people use a topographical map to navigate with mm -hmm. in the field. And so it's just, it's for it's people what I who know, it's easy, it's clean. Yeah, it's for clean. For a colorblind person like me? I'll probably even better. Oh, it's so great. So we've, we've made that accurate. We've cleaned it up. The, and then you've got like, obviously the topographical lines on it. Um, those we've kind of accentuated with some types of, we call it hill shade, you know, some, it gives it a 3d effect and allows you to really see what the terrain is like mm -hmm. on the map. And so, you know, it's got, it's got hydrology or, or water sources built into it like mm -hmm. a normal topographical, but it's, it's very purposely built for, for a hunter so they can navigate with it. Um, it's simple to use, simple to see, simple to read, you know, you're going to identify, you know, saddles, steep slopes, you know, pinch points, different things like that are all very visible in a topographical map. So that's going to hit the mobile app in the near future, I'm really um, excited which will be, part. you know, and, and that same type of simplicity is going to be laid into our high, our hybrid map mm -hmm. as well. So that's all coming down the line. Uh, other things on, on the mobile side, uh, you'll see some, some download improvements coming right around the corner. So you're going to see a, uh, offline map download, you yep, mean? offline map Speed. downloads. Speed's going to increase a bit. Um, you, you shouldn't be affected. Like the process to download maps should still be the same. Mm -hmm. um, it's just going to get better. We're improving there. Uh, that's you know that's been a big commitment from from the business, if you will, from from Gohan is to you know we knew you know we we knew the map the mobile app wasn't as great as it should have been last year and last southern season. We realize that now. You know hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, could we have done things differently? Probably. Um, mm -hmm. But I will tell you, in, in working with the GIS teams and then working closely with the engineers, um, we've rededicated the whole company to that app and really being able to, to move it forward. And I think you've, like, you've tested it hard for the last month and haven't yeah. had an issue straight. And that was one of the, one of the neat things that I kind of got a spearhead was an internal testing program. You know, mm -hmm. we, we called it Testing Fridays, if you will a good excuse to get out in the field and just hammer on the app mm -hmm. and use it how use it how hunters would, yep. if you will, get in offline. the field, offline, dropping waypoints, sharing waypoints. Mm -hmm. And so we've done a ton of just stability improvements over the last, 
eight, nine months. So do you feel uh, like going into this fall, it's in a much more stable place? Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm a hundred percent confident. I run an iPhone. So our, I know we've, we've still got some issues on that, on the Android side that we're working on. Um, but on the, I've used the, you know, the iPhone, our, our iOS app, if you will. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent confident in, uh, I've put it through multiple tests, like things that I wouldn't even normally do as a hunter. Yeah. I've mm-hmm. been putting through the test. And yeah. so you know, I'm, I'm real confident in it right now. It's good because, I mean, I know it's interesting, man. I mean, I don't, I can't, I can't even fathom like how you would approach this or tackle, you know, map, a mapping app, a mapping platform, you know, with, with all that it is. And I mean, I, th- I think initially we thought, I don't know if we thought it, maybe you tell me, did we think it was going to be easier than we did when, than it is? Yeah, we did. <laughs> right. And I don't, I don't think there's it's any complex. shame. I don't think there's any shame in saying it. You no. know what I mean? I think we, we bit it off and, you know, we, we got it to a point and we realized, you know what, there's, there needs to be a lot more stability, just a lot more reliability built into it. And I think at that point it was just a shift in focus and a realization that like, okay, this just needs to be a shift and we'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does feel to me like it's in a hell of a lot better place than it's ever been. And I mean, it, the other thing I like about maps is it just works in conjunction with the platform as a whole. It's like a, a little ecosystem. You know what I mean? You've got shop, you got points in the shop, you've got your draws, your filtering, your app strategies, your state information, you've got maps. It's just like this catch all. It's like a little ecosystem for everything that you need. So, yeah. Yeah. I like being able to use it all year long. Yeah. Yeah. I know. One if hunting season were just all year long, that'd be great. Can we make that happen? <laughs> I don't know. Talk to Porter. <laughs> you could make it happen <laughs> if you we, wanted we, to. I know we had those little discussions. Like, there's all sorts of stuff that happens in the spring. It's a dream. It's I mean, a, there are big game seasons going on right now in the West. It's a so. dream. And go to Hawaii. Dream. Oh, I'd love that. That'd be rad. I mean, let's get Hawaii on the old insider, huh? Should we do that? What do you think? Uh, we could do it. I like it. I love we, that idea, actually. Yeah. That's a great idea. It was born right here. Hawaii. <laughs> Hawaii. Let me add that to the list. Little, yeah. No, we little, and we do have so we do have more states that we're planning to add down, you know, we we're talking new states already. We we launched two, we're looking at a couple more. Um, you know, more data, more filters. Yeah. We so. some more species. We, tur- turkeys. So we've we added havelina. like you, yeah, yeah, you look at Arizona and Mexico, we added havelina turkey to those. You and know, we got, got Gould draw odds. That's what I was gonna say. The big really ones down there is, is like, Gould's draw odds. Like if you're a turkey guy, not but come on, <laughs> just come on, trail. There are like two um, of them. They're out there. I those are the like, man. Have you looked at the draw odds for Gould's turkey in Arizona? <laughs> are they ridiculous? Oh, it's worse than elk. Unbelievable. Like. So you're saying my mid-teens points isn't going to get me. You're not even in the ball game. Yeah, like you're two decades from drawing that tag. Unbelievable for a turkey. So I just like supporting Arizona. I hear you. I give him money. Well, Cody's telling me our camera's going to overheat, so we better wrap. Let them buy a new camera. (laughs) 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 Anything else you guys wanted to ask, Brandon? No, I think that was a really good podcast. I could do a lot more of these with Brandon, or just like. Get you back on, talk about your hunting season. We can't really get into that, but that could be another time. I know. That's what's a bummer, huh? Yeah. We're, we're knocking on the door to the hunting season. I just want to talk about hunts. I have deer tags and elk tags. Yeah, what ta- so. What do you have? I don't even know what you have. <laughs> we're just going to get into it. <laughs> I've got course. a Utah deer tag, Idaho deer tag, Utah. I've got Drew the Spike tag, and I'm trying to pick up a couple more tags. There you go. I so, like that strategy. So. Pick up more tags. We need to go hunting more. I love it. 
Go well, thanks, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. You bet. It no, really was genuinely good just to sit down and pick your brain a little bit about it. I think, I mean, a lot of this is, is maybe sound like a little bit of an advertisement. I don't even care because I think there's a lot of value in it just yeah. in, in helping people understand how the platform works yeah. and, and what's available to them and what you can do with it. So I think, I think it was good. We got, appreciate promo, it. And we got a promo code for you guys. Oh yeah. Hit it. Well, you just got to use promo code podcast. Sign up for Insider. We're going to give you 50 points back in the Go Hunt Gear Shop. That's 50 bucks. Gives you access to the entire Go Hunt membership ecosystem. Yeah, you spend 150, you get 50 back. You get maps, you get filtering, you get odds, you get app strategies. Everything. That's it. And you're going to have a more successful season. Hot podcast. Promo code podcast. <laughs> you're going to drop mic after that one? Yeah, I was going to, oh, I was a shoe can. <laughs> All right, we out. <laughs> <laughs>